Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via our YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favourite podcast app. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. My name is Jack McLean, I'm the host, and in today's episode, I interview Nicholas Rule. He is our Prepare Like a Pro strength and conditioning intern looking after the Caulfield Grammarians football program. He is also a qualified exercise physiologist and works full-time as an exercise scientist at Kieser. Highlights from this episode, we discuss the importance of internships, practical tips for coaches who want to make the most of their career, the importance of journaling and why you need to have a driven self-learning approach to your development. Before we start this episode, if you want to prepare like a pro to manage your football club's high-performance program, which includes strength and conditioning programming and an intern like Nick facilitating the sessions and individualizing the program to suit the players, email us at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Let's get into today's episode. Thanks for jumping on tonight, Nick. Oh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to our chat, mate. Let's uh, dive right to the beginning of your journey. At, at what age did you discover you had a passion for strength and conditioning? Well, probably strength and conditioning probably came a little bit later, but probably passion for health probably came a little bit earlier. Yep. Probably started training in the gym around 16 or so, and then got PT qualified. Um, and then I started my undergrad degree after that. So to be honest, strength and conditioning wasn't a massive passion of mine until probably about third year where I did my internship hours. So that was at Rise um, High Performance in Roville. And it wasn't probably to that point that I really started to understand what a strength and conditioning coach does. So it was really good being down there. And then from that opportunity, being able to work with Eastern Rangers, the under 16s, um, that opportunity came up. And so moving on to there, that was actually fantastic. Being able to work with a with a bunch of boys who were really driven to play footy and just to see at that age how driven and mature they were, which was fantastic. It's just a great vibe to be around. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Well, th- thanks for sharing, mate. So before you started your degree, um, personal training, take us through where you saw your vision and, and what was your motive um, behind doing a bachelor's degree at that point? Oh, there's a loaded question. So probably... I think everyone, when everyone starts training when they're 16, 18, always they're getting the big chest, big arms. That's probably yep. where I was all set. Yep. Um, but then as I've gone through my uni degree, it kind of changes your focus going to more of that educated approach, not needing to smash yourself. And I always had a bit of an injury uh, background of injuries. And that's where that fueled that exercise sport science background because I kind of wanted to know why I was kind of getting injured more than anything. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of led on to be able to wanting to educate myself and then which allowed me to help others in the long run. Yeah, 100%. And, and with that, with the um, rise in high performance, for those studying their sports science degree um, and that resonates with them, like they started with their own agenda to try and better themselves and improve their body or improve their performance from an athlete, whatever their agenda is, and then they started to focus more on their, the coaching side. Uh, how did you get your foot in the door with that internship program? Was that organized through the university did you um have a contact within that space take us through how that started it was more talked with the uh the career advisors at uni so they kind of led me in a direction of two different facilities so which i had to kind of email out and contact so just being successful at rise which i was really stoked about they had a i think the first day we went through some educational stuff and they almost just had me hooked from that point 
where I was just like, I have no idea what they're talking about and I want to learn what they are talking about. Right. And what were their clientele at the time? Who were they? Rise, they work. They work with Roval Sports Academy. So working with high school students in their specific sports as well. So being able to build on their current sports and athletic development, their strength and conditioning, which is fantastic. Yeah. And you mentioned at that time, that was sort of a light bulb moment where you understood what a strength and conditioning coach did and how that differed to a personal trainer. Um, What was the, how did they sell it or or what did they show you that excited you uh, about strength and conditioning? I think it's training smart. You push when you need to be pushed, but uh, it's not about being smashed all the time. So it's more of an educated more tailored to a specific group of people depending on i was more focused on the team so be able to work with a group of people and be able to use educational and things you've learned to actually help the team versus just trying to smash them as hard as you you, you possibly can just to make them throw up basically yeah yeah 100%. so i think that's the biggest difference between the two from that point yeah well said mate and and then the eastern rangers how did you go about getting that experience that was a great experience. So, like I said, just being able to be around that group, it was almost motivating for me to be down there just because how motivated they were to be there. Um, so being able to take on that role, it just opened the doors a little bit more to actually what a strength and conditioning coach does, you know, setting up more of the conditioning side of things and the strength side of things, um, where Rise is more of the strength side of things. So having that nice balance of strength and conditioning um, in two different facilities just kind of helped me learn and, like, Still got a lot to learn, but I feel like from that point, it's been a been a steep incline of learning. Yeah, yeah, I love that approach. It's a, it's a good gem for the developing S and Cs or personal trainers to listen to. So often, the conditioning side of our title is is missed and undervalued. Um, where we do, and I know for myself, I was guilty of it. Um, spending a lot of time and and doing a lot of courses around the strength and power side of things, and it wasn't until I started working football where you start you know learning about uh, energy system development and load management and almost bringing in the sports science side of things, how to run fun warm-ups, dynamic warm-ups and, um, and prepare the athletes for, for a high-quality session. Um, or like you mentioned before, understand how to, it's not all about smashing yourself and vomiting, but it's a, a deliberate approach and periodized programming and all these sort of things. Um, knowing, going through that, that experience at Eastern Rangers, did, that, um, like, did you learn uh, programming through practice and, and through experimenting and what were your, were your biggest lessons in terms of uh, developing yourself as a coach that you didn't get from from university i think working with um nick burton he was a high performance manager for the under 16s working with him closely um definitely taught me quite a few things and then also working with yourself from this year it's even taught me even more in terms of the conditioning side it's just learning like you said the energy systems and how to develop them versus just going for you know 10k run like we used to be told to do go for a long run to get fitter versus all right maybe let's do 200 meters five reps and we're trying to do that for depending on the person every so often yeah yeah and when you when you've got that um like if it's Mick or or myself how how do you go about um making the most of those opportunities and experiences let's say with eastern rangers um what was your role there and and how did you make the most of it for strength and conditioning coaches that are tuned in what do you think is the best way to make the most of those internship sort of early yeah. experiences? I think just taking it all in is probably the biggest thing. Just trying to be a sponge, like absorb all of it, write things down, try and learn more about it. Um, but probably one of the best things I learned from the Eastern Rangers is it's about almost educating the players as well while you're doing things mm-hmm. versus just 
doing it with them. Like you want to, you want to let them know the benefits of why they're doing the runs, why why they are going to get a little bit tired, so that you've got a little bit more buy-in. So there's a couple of people on the socials who talk a lot about the buy-in. So I think just from personal experiences playing with a footy club, um, probably towards when I finished, is we had a coach that just made a smash, just smash this and used running as a penalty for not mm-hmm. completing you know, the drills as the way they wanted to. So I think letting the players know this isn't about a punishment. This is actually help developing yourself. I think having that approach where we can educate players, which of all ages, it's not about punishment, but this is about your benefit. And that's why I haven't enjoyed some parts of the industry where that still is a little bit of a stigma where we kind of want to move away from that, but really want to educate why we're doing what, what we're doing just to get that extra buy-in so we can actually get the most out of our, most out of our players. Oh, thank you so much, man. That's, that's refreshing to hear. And it's, um, I couldn't agree anymore, like the, the power of why, um, no matter what you, you're trying to do when you're working with a team uh, in any environment is, is so powerful. Um, and to be able to you know, present in front of a group is something that you probably don't get as a personal trainer because you do work in a one-on-one. So um, that's another skill set that, you, that you've mentioned there that, and why it's so invaluable to get these experiences working in teams and groups and being able to work on communication uh, and, and the art of that uh, and how that can have a direct influence on, on the program. Hey guys, Paul Curtis here from the Western Jets Football Club. And um, this year I was fortunate enough to get help from uh, Prepare Like a Pro, uh, helping me prepare uh, for the draft combine. Um, my normal week would consist of, or seeing as uh, I was trying to improve my 2K, would consist of um, endurance days. Um, I'd have a feel good day where uh, I try and work on my running technique and just feel comfortable in running. Um, have my speed days. Um, have some injury prevention exercises, um, lower body sessions and upper body sessions. Um, what I enjoyed most about the program um, was how Jack was quite invested in me, um, always checking up on me, giving me feedback. Um, we looked at my diet, um, so the stuff off the field, so hydration, sleep, uh, motivation levels and all that. So yeah, highly recommend and yeah, I um, enjoyed the uh, journey. You mentioned noting things down and, and, and that, you know, potentially it's like journaling. What, what type of things would you write down? Is that something that you're doing throughout the session as the session's live? Is it after? Is it um, the next day? Take us through your process on, on what you note down. So I actually have a bit, I have a book that I go to. So like you say, almost like a journal. So yep. it depends on the scenario. Obviously, if you're in the middle of a session, you're not going to run want to run off and write in your book. Um, but it's just something that resonated with you more so through the session. You're like, ah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Or doing seminars, taking down vital notes that you think is going to be really beneficial. Um, even cues in the strength room, just making sure actually, yeah, no, that one, that one works really well. So anything at that time where, you know, you can probably use that later and you mm-hmm. find it really beneficial, I'll probably just, just take a note of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome, mate. And what, what are some other things that you do to develop your knowledge? Well, doing uh, the Masters this year was a massive thing. So I probably got better at researching. So looking yeah. at papers more effectively, the books. Um, I love my books. So just getting into my um, some of my books, like uh, Periodization Training for Sport is a really good one. Um, and just networking, like talking to yourself, talking to others. Um, I think socials is a really good one. I think it's undervalued in a lot of ways. You can turn your socials into 
an educational platform if you're following, you know, the, depending on who you follow. But um, I think that can be a very undervalued area of education. Yeah, hundred percent. It does get uh, can get a bad rap, but I think uh, probably in the fitness industry, you'll have a little bit of everything. Um, uh, but ultimately, if you know what to filter and what's relevant for you, uh, it can be really, really beneficial. And it's probably something as an industry we've got a lot better at um, uh, providing value um, through through socials. Uh, what are your favourite platforms? Is it Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube? What do you feel is the most impactful? Probably Instagram, probably when I go to probably most, um, just probably out of habit. So I've just turned it into an area where if I go into it, it's going to be something that's beneficial rather than just like mindlessly scrolling and taking, you know, looking at what kind of what's going around. And YouTube has quite a lot of good podcasts as well. So um, that's probably my two main two main areas that I go to. Yep, yep. And then talking, going back to um, career progression. So you mentioned your master's. Um, how did you go about deciding to do your master's in exercise physiology and, and, and you mentioned you know developing research um, what are you hoping to get out of that course and um, take us through the full-time job that you're doing as well with with Kaiser and how that's helped yeah so that's actually a pretty funny story how I started actually I didn't get the marks I wanted and I didn't get accepted into Deakin for exercise physiology because that's where I wanted to go towards the end of my undergrad um, yep. so I didn't get in there I took some time off and I was like you know what I'm going to just give business a go because at the start of my degree, I was on the double degree. Mm-hmm. And then I got about a semester and a half in and then I was just sitting there one day during class because halfway through COVID and I just wanted to read my books. And my girlfriend, she was just like, if you're so interest, interested in it, why don't, you just, why don't you just give it another crack? So I was like, yeah, cool, cool. Okay. So I think the next week I'd, I left the uni and just did a Hail Mary and just applied for as many unis as I could. Yep. Um, Luckily enough, I got accepted into a couple, which was, I was stoked about. And then I, I ended up getting into La Trobe, which was amazing. So did it in 12 months, which was a bit of a shotgun thing. Amazing. Yeah. So it was great. So, and because of that, I, um, you just have your three placements. You're learning off each supervisor, which is amazing. Everyone has their different approaches to how they go about it. And I had three very different approaches. Um, and, you know, sometimes the experiences aren't always beneficial, but you can always take something from it. But through that, I um about two weeks before my last placement, I actually had a chat to the guys at Kiza. And so I was able to get a position at Kiza because they only opened up end of uh, November. Mm-hmm. And I was able to, able to get a position as an exercise scientist with the progression to exercise physiologist when the accreditation came through. Yeah, good. Jeez, that so I was like, a, uh, a critical critical move you made there thanks to the, the girlfriend and uh, and your hard work yeah mate that's uh well done that's fantastic <laughs> it was a uh, very very different to what i was uh, almost expecting at the time so yeah. yeah yeah that's great and and to be able to um you know be in an environment where you can see growth how important is that for you like you mentioned your exercise sign at the moment and then once you you can grow into the exercise physiology is that once you get uh, accreditation is it yeah, when I get accreditation, just have to do a couple of things for Kiza and then I'll move into the exercise physiology role. Um, yep. So just, it's probably going to be another two, three weeks, so not too far to go. Um, but, yeah, to be in a place of learning and development is probably important for me. I get bored quite easily, I mm-hmm. find, so I, can't, I can't, can't sit down for too long. So if I'm always immersed in something, learning or growing, I'm probably a really happy person. Yeah, yeah. And that, you, you mentioned um, the work as an exercise scientist. Um, what, what would be a typical day at Kiza? Yeah, so 
it's showing people so you've got different ones we've got um how we can show people how to use the equipment because it is very it's a bit different to what you'd see in a normal jump gym some of the equipment and so that's showing setups but also just working with a large variety of a population so we have 30 minute sessions where we're able to push individuals for whatever outcomes it could be it could be for osteoporosis it could just be for general strength or getting a little bit older so they want to maintain their function so just um, going through that on a daily basis which is really good because you get to work with a lot of different individuals with a lot of different backgrounds so it just makes you have to be a little bit more cautious i would say in how you deliver your sessions to them right okay and then for, for those that are that are members at the gym what how does it differ to like a fitness first or maybe a pt studio so Depending on how you go, um, you can either work with an exercise scientist one-on-one. Um, if not, if you were to, you can still train by yourself. But basically, the pathway to train a Kiza is you'll have an initial consultation with a physiotherapist or an exercise physiologist before moving into some training. So from that, you get shown how to use the equipment by the exercise scientist. And then if you wish to continue, you can continue having supervised training. If not, we'll have review sessions every training sessions or so just to make sure that everything's in check and then we, we need to make any changes that we can. Yep, yeah. And you've, you've mentioned like the experience you got in the weights room from personal training and then working yep. in football, the, the team conditioning uh, and periodization, load management, and then now at Kaiser, you, is it rehabilitation that you're, you're developing and honing that craft? Is it more strength and power-based stuff? What are some skills that you feel like you're, you're improving by being in that environment? I think uh, having both Caulfield and Keyser together works really well because what you're not getting in one, you're almost getting in the other. So at Keyser, it's probably more that rehabilitation aspect of it, educational on that side. Um, but then at Caulfield, you're kind of building up the strength and conditioning, more so on the conditioning side at the moment, unfortunately yeah. with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why I really wanted to kind of work with the two, having a clinical side on one side and then also having a sports performance side on another side. So it's just some really nice balance one you've got to bring a lot of energy and one's got to be a very clinical mindset to it so it's just nice balance by the end of the week yeah 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 and, and on the Corfield Gamarians note it's only been a short time the, the pre-Christmas um, but what have you enjoyed about being you know running that program and um, what are you looking forward to for the 2022 season oh so just just working with the boys down there they're absolutely fantastic so I think at the start, it was more about getting that buy-in, having that new face down there, which is always a challenge, which comes back to trying to get that buy-in. Yep. Um, and because it is such a short time, having a new face down there is a little bit more challenging. But it's just been really good just to continue working on, you know, even just setups of the drill. Like, how do you make, how do you do this most effectively so they get the boys, most out of the boys, like communicating with the coaches to make sure that, you know, everyone's kind of understanding what everyone's doing in the session. So it's probably more of that communication side and then just taking the boys through the session as well and then mm-hmm. keeping the data on them as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and well done, mate. Like everyone's um, raved about the work that you've brought, how thorough you are and organised mm-hmm. um, with your preparation, but also your ability to communicate and connect with the athletes, which, which as you mentioned from a buying point of view is so important, um, particularly leading into the Christmas period because obviously it's a, it can be a danger period for footballers, three, three to four weeks where you don't see them and all that hard work can be lost. Um, what, with that communication and connection piece, what were some things that for, for strength and addition coaches that want to get better in that area that you found helpful um, to get success in that area? I think just having a plan just makes a massive difference. Um, tips from yourself, making sure it's printed out, coming down. So you know what you're doing. Um, the players can look at it if they want to, but if they don't want to, it's, it's fine as well. So as long as 
you know what you're going to be doing and you're prepared, having that communication with the coach. So you've both got expectations of each other of what's going to be happening in the session. It makes the world a difference. Yeah, preparation. Love it. Awesome, man. It's a, a good gem and uh, and one that, uh, yeah, absolutely is, is so important. If, if we're more prepared than the athletes, then they'll, they'll notice that uh, and that care. Um, yeah. not, not only will they buy in, but also they'll give you know bring more effort um, and therefore intensity and quality will be brought up. So thank you for sharing that, mate. Um, looking back over your career now, what, what's a, a memory that you look back fondly um, and you're proud of? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a challenge. So there's probably been a stack. So working as a personal trainer for about four years, you get yeah, the, the relationships you build. Like I still, I'm still in contact with a lot of the clients that I trained um, when, I, when I left. I've left there for about you know, almost over a year. So still being in contact with them. So it's hard to pick out one moment, but there's definitely some that stand out more. So for instance, having one of my, one of my clients um, transform their bodies and prolonging surgery, that's probably a massive one. Mm-hmm. Um, just just on their knee, um, having clients, just running, uh, doing runs with clients, 10k runs with clients, half marathons with clients. Probably the things you probably remember most doing with them when they, you know, they don't think they can do it themselves, and then they rope you into doing it with them. Yeah. So there's a there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of things over the career that have stand out, but it's hard to pick out one one major at the moment. But hopefully, in the next couple of years, that might change and start to progress a little bit further. Yeah, yeah, but it's the people side that um, that you enjoy the most of, of the coaching. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, when you get when you get that close connection to them, and you can see them develop from day one to you know day X, and you're like, oh, that's just really cool to see someone develop the way that you have. Yeah, yeah. And what about on the flip side? What is uh, what's a challenge um, that you've faced that you've learned and grown from? Probably talking and selling about selling myself. That's probably the hardest thing that. I think any coach struggles with at the start. Being able to talk about yourself is the biggest challenge and I think everyone still ch- uh, struggles with it on a day-to-day basis but it's also just being confident in your own abilities that over time it starts to make a lot more sense that you, you trust, you know what you're talking about mm-hmm. versus you think you know what you're talking about. So I think just time and development helps with that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Thanks, mate, for your open and honesty on those two. Uh, like you mentioned, they are, they are challenging questions, um, but appreciate your, your sharing insight there. We'll, we'll go into the lighter part of the podcast, the, the get-to-know-you personal side, mate. So um, these runs are a lot, lot easier and we can have some fun with them. First one is which movie or TV series has impacted you the most and why? Oh, I'm a bit boring in that sense, to be honest. So I can't sit still long enough to enjoy a TV series or, or a movie. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, but if I was to say one, it's probably the sporting, probably the sporting movies. You know, like Coach Carter. Yeah. Um, like it probably comes back to that coaching side of thing again. So that's probably had the, probably the biggest impact on me. Those those movies. Yeah. And what about favorite inspirational quote or, or life motto? It's probably uh, don't be upset with the results you didn't get with the work you didn't do. Mm. Yeah, I like that one. Um, and then in your work life, what are your pet peeves? What makes you angry? <laughs> This one, this one's probably the hardest one. Um, it's great being in a new facility, so there's no, there's no pet peeves at the moment. But probably, um, when I used to work, there used to be a lot of quotes thrown around on a day-to-day basis. Probably, yeah. probably too many. So I'm, I'm all about a couple of quotes here and there, but there was, there was a lot of quotes thrown around on a regular basis. That was probably my biggest pet peeve. Yeah, a lot of talk <laughs> and no action, eh? Well, there's action, but it's just a lot of talking too. So I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was out of whack. Okay. Yeah, very good. Um, what, what's your favorite way to spend your day off? Um, probably just going and doing something. So today I was able to go to the Yu Yangs, um, just go for a walk around there for about an hour and a half, which was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, just going, doing something, probably my favorite thing. Outdoors sort of just, stuff. Outdoors, adventurous, yep. doing something new that you haven't done before. Yep. And then um, on a similar sort of note, fa- this is a COVID-free world, of course, favorite holiday destination and why? Probably Yarrawonga. We used to camp up at the mirror, uh, camp right next to the river couple of, uh, a few years ago now, um, yep. but I'd love to get back up there at some stage, just need to get a four-wheel drive. Um, it's just a great time. Had a lot of, you know, memories growing up. So, yeah, that's probably one of my favourites. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you, mate. And last question for, for 2022, what are you most excited about? What's on the horizon for you? Uh, just career development. Yeah. That's okay. probably, probably my biggest one. It sounds like you've got um, a busy schedule with your progression from exercise scientist, exercise physiologist, and then at the Corfu Grammarians. How, how will the role, you mentioned that there's a progression there in a few weeks' time when that eventuates. What, what will that mean for you? Does it change what you do day to day or does it, does it keep it the same? Uh, definitely change. There'll be some, some layover. Some, some will be the same, but I think it's going to be a little bit more responsibility, which I'm excited for, working with uh, more chronic health conditions. Oh, right. Okay. So you'll be dealing yeah. with some more challenging cases. Yeah, some some complexity with the cases as well. Uh, it could be standard just in terms of education and diabetes, but it could be a little bit more complex than that as well. Fantastic. Awesome, mate. And and for those that want to follow you, you mentioned the importance of, of socials. Um, where's the easiest place for people to get in contact if they've got any questions or queries from the podcast or, or just in general? Probably uh, on Instagram, for which is Rules of Fitness on Instagram or just um, Nick Rule on Facebook. Yep. Awesome, mate. Well, thank you so much again for, for jumping on and, and all the great work you're doing with the Corfu Men's Program. Um, it's, it's a serious program. They're, they're great athletes there and, and it's a club that's um, been doing really, really well. So they're very happy to have you part of the, the club. And um, yeah, it means a lot on the Prepare Like a Pro team to have you part of our family as well, mate. So thanks for jumping on and all the good work you're doing and really looking forward to seeing your career progress, not only in 2022, but onwards and, and upwards, mate. So Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And thanks for tuning in, guys. For everyone that tuned in live, uh, you can follow our podcast on all your favorite podcasts, uh, streaming, Spotify, iTunes, and all the rest. And if you want to watch the YouTube episode, we'll 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 announce a six-minute highlight, um, which will be premiered the night before we release this episode. Um, And in terms of our next guest, we'll have uh, a couple that we've tuned in our new live segment for 2022 is going to be thursday nights at 8 30 p.m so stay tuned via instagram um, for our upcoming guests on the live episode and if you have any questions or queries feel free to direct message us on our socials or email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com where every sunday i I live stream and answer your questions at 6 p.m so i'll see you guys on the next episode cheers guys if you enjoyed this episode and want even more our academy is for you The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian at the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane. And I often find that 
with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, yeah, game changes, whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us. Awesome. So he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks, um, thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was, uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts doing a, a journal every day just to be to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to yeah like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about you know that there is more to life than football or you know might be whatever as an SNC coach you know if something's you having a hard time um, it can be massive with just yeah opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble um, yeah. so that's that's been huge um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm -hmm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker. Um, and yeah. and yeah, like just yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. 
If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.